Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Midori, listening to Why Are People Into That with Tina Horn. Welcome to the 49th episode of Why Are People Into That, the podcast that cuts you down to size. My guest this month is Antonia Crane, author of the sex work memoir, Spent, and co-author of a new screenplay about the unionization of the lusty lady peep show. I sat on Antonia's black leather couch when I was in Los Angeles earlier this year, and together we took a deep dive into the subject of erotic shame. This episode is all in one, and next month I'll release the rest of our conversation about sex work writers as an interrobang, so stay tuned. July is BOGO month for vibrators at the Pleasure Chest. Yes, for the entire month of July, anything that vibrates at the Pleasure Chest is buy one, get one, half off. That goes for the New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles stores, or from anywhere in the world on PleasureChest.com. This deal is perfect for friends who want to shop together, couples looking to try something new, or for the single slut who needs to collect them all. Don't miss out on this stimulating summer deal on rabbits, strap-on harness-compatible attachments, and travel-perfect pocket rockets. That's buy one, get one half off for every vibrator at Pleasure Chest stores and online at PleasureChest.com. Follow at Tina Horn's Ass on Twitter and Instagram so you'll never miss any of my podcast article or live appearance updates. And now, bury your head in your hands for why are people into shame? I would love to talk um, about shame with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about shame. <laughs> How can you forget? It's always there. It's always there. Um, I'm in denial. So we were, I think we were talking in like some Instagram comment um, about shame. And, um, you know, I've done an episode about humiliation with mm-hmm. Princess Callie. Why are people into humiliation? Mm-hmm. And that... Um, you know, she does so much amazing work about humiliation and, you know, that's specifically about the fetish of humiliation and how it could manifest, whether it's forced feminization or like, uh, very literal objectification, like Mm -hmm. becoming furniture, um, Mm -hmm. um, or, uh, you know, like animal play where you're somebody's dog or somebody's Mm -hmm. pony, um, or, um, financial domination, which you mentioned, like can obviously be a form of humiliation play, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, that's like very much like BDSM consensual 
power exchange negotiation. Mm -hmm. But I think that the thing that you and I were starting to chat about and that we, that I want to dig into today is not about necessarily people recognizing the shame inside of them and um, reappropriating it in a cathartic, even empowering, erotic way, but the attachment that people have to their shame and how they it like gets its like um, it like gets its claws into your desire and then you don't know what to do without it and the ways mm-hmm. that that manifests I don't know is that um is that like anything near like what you were what you had in mind um I don't know I mean show me a person that doesn't have shame I don't know I wonder if this isn't like a knee-jerk reaction to the self-esteem movement mm. in which we were sort of informed that like we were supposed to have this thing called self-confidence and self-esteem. Right. But we found that we were dangerously low levels and we weren't sure why. Right. And then we felt more shame that we didn't have yeah. <laughs> the thing that we were yeah. supposed to just be able to like call upon that. Oh, let's call upon our that resource. Where, yeah. yeah. Where's that resource? Yeah. This like sustainable uh, You told me I'm supposed to have it and yeah. I don't and I don't know where to get it. So now I feel worse. And now I feel worse about myself. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then there's another thing of just that, um, I wonder about, I think the hot thing in sexuality for people and, you know, it has to do with power and our willingness to surrender it and get it. Yeah. And I think there's a constant tug of war with that. And there is something erotically charged about power. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's. Like, I mean, literally, show me a person that doesn't want respect, but then who also doesn't want it taken away mm. when they're in bed and be told that they're a garbage piece of whore, piece of trash, piece of shit. So let me ask Sometimes. you: Do you feel <laughs> once in a while? Well, do you feel that when people desire to be called degrading names, whether it's a misogynistic name like slut or whore or, Mm -hmm. um, uh, or just like general humiliation, like you're, you're a dog, you're a piece of trash, like you're nothing, you're just a hole for me to use, like, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel that that is a desire to not be respected or do you feel like sex can be a space I mean, I just come back again and again, and you mentioned David Foster Wallace's Against Irony. Like, mm-hmm. I come back and over and over and over again to the idea that, like, sex is actually a very ironic space mm-hmm. because, like, I feel that the more somebody calls me, that the more that I'm, like, consensually welcoming somebody using degrading words or like objectifying me and like just like making me a whole to use like the more respect I feel from them right so Mm -hmm. so like I don't actually that's like playing with shame Mm -hmm. but I don't actually feel ashamed right I I agree with you that sex is a consensual fun sense of play place where we can play with this stuff and I also but I do think that Things don't happen by themselves. I hate using vacuum. I don't know why that's always annoyed me, (laughs) but I'll never use it. But I think that we respond to what's happening culturally. And what's happening culturally is there is this policing of words. Yes. And there's a self-policing, which I find horrifying. 
Yeah, and, and everybody always wants to get out from under that. And I think we want to get out from underneath that. And yeah. I think that we want a sense of play in sex. And I think sex is a fun, smart way to play with it. And also when people um, tell you what to do, you want to do the opposite or what. People yeah. definitely, when people tell you what not to do, that definitely makes you yeah want to do it and I, I tend to believe just as a sex worker for 25 years yeah that everybody's a little bit of everything mm-hmm. um and you're a liar if you don't believe that yeah. like i feel like every super sub has had some experience getting off on being in a powerful space in another part of their lives yeah, yeah. every uh fin dom cash pig that i've come across or studied or talked to they are in a powerful position in their lives financially right in a managerial role on some level so the thing that they want and crave more than anything else is to be released cut down to size it. yes release. isn't it release yes. that we're looking it, for yeah abs- absolutely and if you're not doing drugs which i mean kat marnell said it so beautifully in one of her columns it's about like people do drugs because it feels good yeah and they want to release yeah and uh you know and i think that sex is similar aka the same that people are looking for like a release from the pressures and tensions yeah and then there's this heavily policed thing where we're supposed to be so fucking careful all the time Mm. that i think sex is a really fun and smart consensual place to like bat that around yeah yeah it's kind of like the back to the aids culture and coming Mm. from that is that what happened specifically was that the powerful writers of our of that day that yeah. came from the AIDS crisis and the massive loss yeah. of our friends yeah. were writers like Avital Renal and David Wonorowitz yeah. and Kathy Acker right. that were savage and bloody. And like, I remember going to parties where we'd walk into a warehouse and there was a bald man hanging from meat hooks. Like we were playing with this idea of body and blood play and writing about it in these really powerful, savage ways that directly responded to what was happening culturally. So think nothing's by accident. And you talk about shame. I also think that this is so weird to say. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. The liberal lefty community is anti-whore and misogynistic all fucking day long. And I'm tired of it. The devil you say. I'm so fucking tired of it. I'm so tired of these, of sex worker voices being uh, crowded out and dismissed out of the brilliant conversations happening. And also thrown under the bus in the sense of the marriage rights movement being the like fastest and most visible and vocal and effective political movement in the queer community in decades and that the people people now that we have quote-unquote marriage equality whatever that means Mm -hmm. like now is the time like immediately that we need to talk about at at what at which queers were thrown under the bus in order to make that happen and the answer is sex workers sex workers trans people trans people sexual deviants Mm -hmm. even people who are just People of color, yeah, def- absolutely, absolutely, people of color foremost. in all of the intersections of those of those other identities that we mentioned. You know, uh, sex workers of color, trans people of color, mm-hmm. um, and and also people who are just out and vocal and confident and proud about 
about their sexuality about being about being kinky about being Mm -hmm. non-monogamous about um about anal sex you know i mean that's like part of the erasure of the um, marriage equality movement is like no, no 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 we're just like you we're just like you like and we promise we're not gonna talk about anal sex we're just gonna have it behind this closed door like right. we're married we are adopting a kid it's fine right? right so now is the time that we that all of the people who are now benefiting from that privilege need to step up yeah for all of us so mm-hmm. that we're not completely left behind by yeah. that movement absolutely um cheryl Strayed said it in an essay called um pussy fever mm. um that you know it, everyone's fine when they get to feast at the table feminism set <laughs> but yet they turn their backs on other women and sex workers and people of color and trans people mm. and we need to i think um you know i think that transparent you know as a, as a television show is really wonderful in so many ways and that it gives voice and visibility to trans people older trans people specifically which mm. is wonderful and jewish mm. incre- incredible you know it became her show became a movement and there's so much like forgiveness and love around that um but not sex workers yeah so when when how about now now would be a good that's time. why we need to make our movie and that's why I want yes. to make a TV show, you know, about sex workers. That's why I want I'll, I want people to l- read the writers that you and I just talked about. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wrote a Lenny letter that's coming out also. Oh, great. I love Lena Dunham and everything that she's doing with girls. And oh, cool. Super important. Um, and uh, I, I thought she was anti-sex worker, and I'm not sure why I thought that. Oh well, she's one of the people. There, there is a reason that you thought that, which is that she is has been very vocal about being um, anti-sex worker in the um, in the feminist sense of seeing all sex work as a perpetuation of the exploitation of women and that um, and that in a feminist utopia we wouldn't need sex work because sex work is a um, function of the patriarchy that's like definitely the I don't know if to this exact moment in time if that is her position but she has made many statements to that effect and she was one of the most vocal rich white Hollywood actresses that signed the petition um, against Amnesty International's call for global decriminalization wow I didn't know that well those girls just published my Lenny 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 letter about how to how I came out to my mother as a sex worker. That's awesome. And also I will add that um, I pitched a piece, an audio piece about sex workers, self care. Mm-hmm. Like so how do sex workers practice self care in uh-huh. a world that specifically in a world that stigmatizes us. Yeah. And though we get stigma coming at us from all sides. Yes. Um, including inside. <laughs> oh um, yeah. And um, her, so the producer of Lena Dunham's show women of the hour is um this queer woman named jenna weiss berman okay and she put out a, a call for that show and i was like i want to do this piece on sex workers and self-care and they were actually going to do an entire episode about sex work and then they decided not to and i'm not entirely sure why jenna weiss berman told me that it was because they decided they weren't the people 
to speak with authority on sex work. Um, hmm. uh, I wasn't involved in that decision at all, but they paid me a nice kill fee for that piece. Good. <laughs> um, and um, Is that enough, though, to get a kill fee? I mean, it was enough to get a kill fee um, because getting paid is important. Um, yeah, it is. And um, uh, they could definitely have just been like, sorry, we killed the piece, and that is like... And like not giving me, and you know, there was no contract that said that they had to do that. Um, uh, but then, oh, that's good. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and then they also were like, "Please pitch this anywhere," you know. So, so I still get to put it out into the world. You is know? it somewhere? Yeah. Oh, good. Where is it? Um, so it was on the Horcast. Um, oh, great. And um, I posted it on my Patreon. Um, awesome. But I can also, um, I'll send it to you. Send it to me. Great. I would love to read it, hear it, awesome. see it, yeah. all of it. Good. Um, and, um, but, but my point is that it seems like Lena Dunham is maybe trying to, I mean, she certainly grows up in public in full view of everyone. She does. And I respect that. Um, and it does seem like she is willing to admit that she made a mistake and like willing to be like, just because I'm on the record saying this three years ago, doesn't mean that that that's how I feel today is what, how I feel today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Hillary Clinton did the same thing. She was very anti-gay no marriage no for kidding. a very long time yeah. and danced around it forever yeah, and then totally. changed. Totally. Absolutely. We're allowed to change our minds. And let's yeah. hope that Lena Dunham changes her mind. Same. And Hillary Clinton. And <laughs> um, let's l- So shame. Let's go let's go back let's go back to shame. Um what is your definition of shame? Um feeling shitty about oneself yeah. for no apparent reason. Yeah. Unwarranted low self esteem and low self worth. Yeah. That doesn't come from a, something real. Yeah. Mm. Maybe. What is your definition of shame? Good question. I hadn't. <laughs> I well, okay, let's talk, because that's like kind of a vague thing. Let's say, when have you felt ashamed of yourself? Because I could say I have felt ashamed of myself when I've lied mm. in the past. When I crossed my own lines mm. and didn't want to or need to, I just did. And then I lied about it because a lie is a lie is a lie that's true <laughs> right am i right you're okay right. you're right <laughs> i think i i think that shame is behind all of my bad feelings actually now that i think about it or the shame root. of what though let's get in this yeah let's it's not do it. easy um, no one said this was going to be easy. <laughs> I think that, okay, so I just came from International Miss Leather. and right. San Francisco, right? In San Francisco. Well, in San Jose, actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it was in San Francisco for a long time. Um, and I f- am, like, struggling with feeling ashamed of not putting myself out there or getting outside of my comfort zone in these structured sexually exhibitionist spaces um because i think that i'm um 
letting myself sort of um, make excuses or for the fact that I just am like afraid to put myself out there. I guess I'm like afraid of rejection or afraid, afraid of making myself vulnerable and then not having control, which goes back to what you were saying before about, about everything power. Is surrendering. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm like afraid to, to surrender and then I'm ashamed that I, I guess I'm like ashamed of not practicing what I preach to other people. So being a fraud, these are fears. Oh, being so an interloper. So you think that all fears yeah. are shame-based? Maybe they are. I don't know. Well, let's think about some fears. Like, uh, I think that, you know, the, the fear of public speaking, which is not a fear that I suffer from, uh, is a fear of of being ashamed that you did a bad job. Okay, so I'm afraid of public speaking, but I'm also afraid of not speaking. Yeah. I'm af- I hate myself when I procrastinate. Right. Like I hate why am I doing that? Like why can't I just fucking do it? Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like that is like what am I ashamed of? Am I ashamed of succeeding or am I ashamed of failing and what really is the difference anyway? Yeah. Ashamed of doing, afraid of acting, afraid of not acting. Yeah. Maybe shame is just kind of like this undercurrent of almost every impulse. Maybe, yeah, maybe. So maybe we have to use it sexually to like bring it out into the light in a fun way. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think, I mean, I'm a very vocal proponent of the way that bringing power and shame and control and anxieties into sex is an extremely effective tool for undermining that power yeah undermining the control that the shame has over you you know like the more like the time that i've spent practicing bdsm and and specifically the time that I've spent doing BDSM sex work because there, you know, there's always that extra like power exchange involving the money and the Mm -hmm. negotiation around the money. And, and also maybe the opportunity to take my own, um, my own identity or desire out of it because ultimately it's, I'm, I'm, I'm working. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and, and then I'm able to like be more analytical, which is also a like comfort zone place for me Mm -hmm. instead of like letting my body go, for example, releasing, Um, relinquishing control over your body. Yeah. But that time has been valuable to me in the sense that I see people trying to power trip me coming a mile away and I uh, like I'm very proud of my ability to like remain very imperious when people are like trying to power trip me how do you do that because this is going to be helpful to me in the classroom because I deal with uh, challenging students sometimes and when they're trying to undermine you I guess I just see it as I see when, when people are trying to, when people are trying to undermine me or trying to power trip me, um, okay. Number one, it's a totally like cheesy, like Alice in Wonderland thing. Like it's just jabberwocky. And if you say you have no power over me, then it has no power over you. Mm -hmm. Um, number two, 
I've just through practice and repetition, I feel like I have an intuitive understanding of how that power trip, which I would define as like reaching out and like unconsensually like trying to have power over someone or acting as if you have power over someone that they didn't give you mm-hmm. is an impulse that comes from a place of insecurity. Right. So when somebody behaves that way, they think that they're making themselves like like puffing themselves up and being like big and vicious and powerful. And I'm just like, Oh no, you're this, it's the opposite. I, I see right? you. I th- like, this is this is your insecurity talking and that actually makes you seem really puny to me not that having insecurities makes someone puny but like like acting on insecurities and thinking that you can use that as power yeah just makes them seem really small and then I feel like I can just like press my fingers together and squish you're making me think of something and I don't know if this is where we want to go with this but I'm going to go there anyway dangerous tangent (laughs) um then maybe like all of this, you know, abolish shame and reject shame. Like maybe we need shame I'm in order to fuel us. I'm really further. glad. I'm glad that you said that because I have definitely reached the point in my sex positive culture career that I feel, and you know, maybe everybody needs to sort of go through this this period when they're like coming to or getting turned out in sex positivity if you will Mm -hmm. where they have to be like yeah let's dissipate shame Mm -hmm. like like that's that's the work I'm doing I'm basically just being like shame is bad and we should just be hedonists and enjoy so but like and I was totally that person Mm -hmm. when I was 25 26 and that was like that was what I thought that the mission of my work was and now I feel like oh but um when I was doing that I was just replicating all of the power structures that benefited me and like like benefiting that's from interesting my, you should say that benefiting from my from my privilege right but like right. in the interest of this is li- this is liberation hell no that was that's not yeah. liberation that's like that's like you know like it's how convenience. tina got her groove back you know but it's not yeah, yeah it is it's convenient it's and it's not creating a it's not actually creating a world where I'm wondering where all this sex positivity, yeah, you bring me to another hard point, which is, I wonder, like, as a hardcore feminist and sex worker. Yeah, likewise. Like, um, where does all this sex positivity really leave women? Sometimes it leaves us alone and feeling really discarded. Yeah. Like, easily discarded, cheated on, and we're not supposed to have, feel uncomfortable about it yes and we're not supposed to feel ashamed and uncomfortable and embarrassed that we were cheated on we're just supposed to be okay with it because oh gosh they must have just been ashamed and they maybe they couldn't i don't know it just i'm just wondering where all this fucking sex positivity really leaves women in their lives well i think that a lot of really amazing people have done a lot of really amazing work like under the umbrella of sex positive culture um uh you know tristan termino carol queen sure um uh um certain women certain women who uh, have know, security and where did they get that security right well these you know i mean i could go on to list like a lot more white women uh, white cis women mm-hmm. and um you know and these are people who are my friends and mentors um sure uh, and uh and i think have done a lot of really important things and now um, maybe, maybe that work had to 
be done that way or it was done that way but now I'm I'm just like much more interested in the people who are speaking out about decolonizing sex positivity for example and like being um being cognizant of the ways that yeah ultimately if if we're not if if under if the mission of sex positivity is not like actually like effectively truthfully undermining oppression and hegemony then the same people who have always had the power just can continue to have the power and then we're going to feel more ashamed because we thought that we did all of this all of this sex work. positive work and yet here we are still feeling yeah like shit yeah well i mean and also trans women of color being murdered in the street yeah and still. now that we're all sex positive whores now what now what so that's a hard question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now what? And then how do you segue out of that lifestyle? And how do you get security? Show me a woman who is not interested in security. Right. And of some sort, whatever that means to her. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And trans women are being murdered in the street still. You know, and, and like I, I. And gay women are being attacked on the street still in San Francisco. Absolutely. As you know. Yeah. So I mean, you I know, know. This, I'm not saying we shouldn't be feminist uh, whores. You know, we should against all patriarchy. Be, we, we should, should all be feminist whores. <laughs> we should all be feminist whores against patriarchy. <laughs> but you know, now what? Yeah. Well, and so going back to this idea that we actually do need shame. I mean, I. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it's that. It's that same question that gets asked a lot by uh, a lot of different people which is and you know and actually like Ellen Stagg was talking about the fact that um uh, you know when she was on the show that uh the people who pay for memberships to her site are the people who like to a certain degree like feel bad about themselves because of their deviant desires and then they like have their hand then they've, you know, they've got their credit card out, you know, and like one hand on their dick and the other like on their wallet. And, um, yeah. and so I like that image. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so the question, I, I guess like the question is like, can we imagine a human civilization or culture or society that where shame has been dissipated and like, what are the goods that will come from that? And is that is such a thing even possible or do we need to learn how to harness shame and make it our bitch? I think we should harness shame and make it our bitch. <laughs> and like then, you know, what girls are doing is capitalizing on shame. Yeah. You know, they're capitalizing on other people's shame. And they're all Which is smart. They're like own internalized shame too, I think. I do too. Because, and own internalized because, shame. Because people are also responding to that. I don't know. Anyway, um... Yeah, can you imagine a world without shame? Yeah. That definitely sounds like a TED Talk. It does. It does sound like a TED Talk. Have you heard the one on uh, that sex worker talking about what do sex workers want? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Juno Mac, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's really fucking it's good. Really Everybody good should watch it. And it's, and it's short. just like, yeah, but nobody's asking what do sex workers want? Yeah. You know, it's that, fantastic. Oh, so good. She's great. I'm like, yeah, oh, I think she loves it. She's got a book deal. Does she? I'm sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so I cannot imagine we're, uh, a world without shame, um, because I think it, it's useful to us and it creates a nice tension. I think that it's 
kind of like envy it's sort of like that quivering box of shame makes art interesting it makes sex interesting it makes books interesting characters interesting yeah um i don't know that i want to do totally without it yeah yeah i mean what so then my further question is because i have i mean shame is bad and feeling ashamed is horrible and I honestly think a lot of really boring art just foregrounds shame and like doesn't actually people are like well I'm ashamed so I'm just gonna like create this thing that's really self-effacing and but not actually like do any work to ask myself where that shame comes from or to try to like purge that shame I guess I'm like I'm interested not in somebody being like, here's my shame, but somebody being like, here is my like twisted, disgusting attempt to purge my shame. And Mm -hmm. I could like accept that it will take more than once or could never happen, but I'm just going to keep detoxing or attempting to detox. Yeah. I don't know. I am. It's a great question. I think there's a trend that has to do that I've noticed that has to do with celebrating our fucked upness. Yeah. And it's a bit nihilistic for me. I mm. like I like glimmers of hope. Yeah. I like transcendence. I like humor. But I feel like um, trying to purge shame is really hopeful and Maybe it is. And cathartic. I think learning from our mistakes is hopeful. Yeah. Not, you know, mucking around in the shit and putting it on display and i see a lot of like let's celebrate our fucked upness yeah let's hate ourselves yeah isn't it funny no isn't it funny how no, much we hate ourselves it's really not fucking you know? funny and it's not interesting it doesn't make interesting art yeah let's learn from our mistakes that's interesting let's yeah. transcend this and learn something and say something that's going to surprise everyone i guess i'm finding myself thinking about the gentlemen hanging from flesh hooks at the warehouse party in San Francisco Mm -hmm. in the 90s that you were describing like Mm -hmm. maybe what that person is doing is trying to purge his shame and probably afterwards feels a lot of going back to the other word release yeah I think so and it's culturally specific Mm. And a relevant conversation to have. Yeah. And we were using our bodies to make others read us and mm. deal with us. Yeah. Uh, sexually, as sex workers, as uh, ACT UP members, yeah. as like members of a community, allies of the the men we lost from AIDS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like a demand to listen and watch and look and look, look again, look again, look again. Mm. Yeah, you're not tired of looking at, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what do you think is the difference between working with, like, thinking of, like, let's think of shame as a, as a material, like, as a mm-hmm. sexual material. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the abstract version of... Um, dildo you know Mm -hmm. it's like a material that you can bring into your sex life and everybody is gonna use that material differently what is the difference between using shame in a way that is in the service of undermining the patriarchy undermining white supremacy you know uh, undermining 
cis supremacy, like, you know, really trying to, um, like make that the project of sex positive culture as opposed to just wallowing. Like what? I have no fucking idea. Mm. <laughs> Tina, that's a great question. I mean, how do we use it to sort of fray the edges of the power structure? Well, what's the difference between using it and... And wallowing in it? And wallowing it. Yeah, exactly. Wallowing in it. Well, again, I mean, what I said before is I think have some sort of resolution, have, you know, learn from mistakes made, create characters that are defiant and intelligent, sex workers who don't die. Yeah. Sex workers that thwart expectations and that live in like this intelligent space, you know, with real partners and lives. Well, let me, let me, I think art is generally the answer. Hell That's yes. probably going to be my answer <laughs> for like all revolution. Well, let me, let me, let me frame it this way. I'm thinking about the lusty lady and like having been on both sides of the plexiglass um, mm-hmm. and also having read an advanced copy of your script mm-hmm. about the lusty lady. Um, and actually also thinking about Jack the Stripper's work and, mm-hmm. and the, the way that she writes about, patrons or clients right Mm -hmm. like so on one hand you have a strip club patron and you know you could uh, certainly apply this to any sex worker client who comes into the lusty and is like okay what is the structure that has been put in place here by these women or by the management or whatever um i want to get whatever i want to get i want to get whatever kick I want to get out mm-hmm. of out of being here. I want to be sexually satisfied um, because naked, sexy women are beautiful to me and, and get me off, turn me on and get me off. So I'm going to come in and like enjoy the show, tip well, take somebody in the private pleasures booth, tell them what my fetish is, have them act it out for me, um, give them smile, like, uh, and, you know, like, get off and be on my way, as opposed to somebody who wants to push the boundaries of what they know is respectful or allowed, like bringing in a camera and unconsensually filming the women there and putting it on the internet, right? Like coming in and bringing a gun, like coming in and being abusive, not like playing with power, but like saying horrible, degrading things that people didn't agree, like didn't agree to listen to. Like, isn't the difference between that a, you know, with the first guy, he has a healthy outlet for like the release from shame by like indulging in this like deviant behavior of going to a peep show versus the guy who is actually like the second guy is the one who is like wallowing in shame and like not actually finding a an effective outlet for it. I I guess I don't really get the question except to say that like isn't all of that humanity? Isn't that all of those things valid and human? And terrifying and don't we all have those beastly instincts i don't think that great intentions buy hookers and smoke meth with them i mean i don't think like super thoughtful you know cultural critics want to 
want a hand job from a stranger in a car. Like I, I just, I think everyone does. I think that we're a culture mm. suffering from terminal loneliness mm. and we, we want connection yeah. and, and release. And I, I think that that comes in all shapes and sizes. I mean, dude, the total freaks were at the lusty. Yeah. I've, you know, been a dom. I've been a prostitute briefly. I'm mostly a stripper for a million years and I've seen it all. Yeah. But the freaks were at the lusty. Yeah. They wanted to be seen. They were like right. shoving zucchinis up their asses and tying themselves into pretzels. Yeah. They were like wearing Santa hats and like coming in as a gang of clowns and all jerking off together. Like they were like enema man, like doing the elaborate enema shows. The freaks were at the lusty lady for some reason. It like something about the glass and the distance gave them permission mm. to really explore a lot of like deep seated shit. Now, does it come from shame? I don't know. Like as children, were they like beaten to a bloody pulp and chained to a radiator by their fathers left to like wander the streets at age 13? I don't fucking know. Or did they come from like perfectly normal homes? Yeah. And they're perfectly know. normal adults. And like, I don't know. And like correlation is not causation, right? Because right. like plenty of people who were abused are gay or kinky or yeah. end up doing sex work. And plenty of people who weren't abused do all those things and plenty of people who were abused never do those things yeah um i mean let's face it the billboard with like melissa Phoebos and i she went to sarah lawrence i went to mills yeah. like the mills girl and the sarah lawrence girls who like did a little heroin and a little meth yeah and became thoughtful hugely feminist sex workers and wrote memoirs yeah our pictures on the billboard look a lot different than the girls i saw in jail being picked up for prostitution over and over and over those are really different lifestyles yeah. Well, what? So, what's the difference? Class. Yeah. Pri privilege. Yeah. The girls at the Lusty, we were all pretty middle class. Yeah. I mean, we were not streetwalkers, uh, herding and you know, f feeding massive heroin habits. Right, and we. So the question, I mean, and race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, the political question is, how do we? leverage our privilege so that the humanity of folks who do sex work in more marginalized conditions are where their humanity is recognized where they have services so that they can do what they want to do with their lives which may be to continue to work mm -hmm. or maybe whatever the fuck they want like how like what are the, there needs what are to the be programs? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been asking this for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I make everybody crazy. Like I go on podcasts and TV shows and I look people in the eye and say, so hire me. You want to rehabilitate a stripper? I've been, <laughs> hire me. To, yeah. And they laugh yeah. just like yeah. you did. It's uncomfortable. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Rehabilitate me. Rehabilitate my friends. Like, I don't want a sugar daddy. I want a job. Right. I want a gig. Right. Like right. help right. us. Right. Right. You want to help us? Help us. Yeah. Give yeah. us jobs. Yeah. Like, let me, let me into the writing room. Yeah. Let my friends into the writing room. Yeah. Hire us for jobs. I have beautiful strippers who would love to be stylists and who are more than capable of doing whatever job they want to do. So why, um, so why? Was, and girls who are trans girls, give them more job opportunities. Uh, help yeah. them segue into the marketplace so that they're not risking their lives. Or if they want to keep working, give them resources. Yeah. Give them counseling. Um, you know, make those, make them more, make it more accessible yeah. to them. Give them their community. Yeah. Give them a, 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 a st um, an AA meeting that's just for sex workers who yeah. are trans. Yeah. Give them a safe room. Give them a room. Yeah. See if they show up. Yeah. If they don't, that's fine. 
Yeah. But just keep give them giving the them the room. Keep giving them the room every Monday night between seven and 10. That's their room. They want to go. They just want to cry. They want to talk about sex work alone with each other and get resources and like have coffee and donuts. Great. Yeah. Just give them a space to talk yeah. and be with each other. Help each other. They want to help each other. They that like is, helping each other. That is really fucking true. So those those are some, uh, I mean, maybe I'm naive. Maybe those things are easier said than done. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're um, hard, but that doesn't mean they're not worth doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to do it. Like, yeah. I would love to do it. Um, I think building alliances is powerful. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard in LA because it is so, we're so far away from each other. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the answer is find the people who are already doing the work and ask them what they need to keep doing the work. Yeah. You know, which is, I mean, that's like ask sex workers what they want. Yeah. I'm telling you what I want. I want a writing gig. And also the people who are doing grassroots and also the people who are doing grassroots organizing, maybe they're doing grassroots organizing for queer communities and you can go to them and say like, what can I do so that we can reach out to sex work communities within the communities that you already serve using the methods that you know to be effective or that, or, you know, effective is important, but just as important as, you know, the methods that makes the community feel respected and is respectful to the community. Yeah. But then there's the problem of like, Oh, here comes another white lady. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's the problem. I mean, here come the white ladies. Well, so how do you, how do you know? I mean, and then the, you know, the other principle is, is step up, step back. Right. So like, like when, cause I, I also don't want to create a cage out of my own white guilt, you know, or cis guilt. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. sex worker voices it seems like you are that is your project and that's what this podcast is about yeah I mean uh why is it so important to you do you think or culturally for the reasons that I said before that I feel like sex workers are the marginalized of the marginalized um Mm -hmm. within sex cultures and also the dynamics of sex work are endlessly interesting to me um and they do have to do with what we're talking about right now with shame and money and patriarchal forces and how do we navigate and negotiate 
what to take from the patriarchy mm-hmm. or like are you know are we in what ways are we replicating and perpetuating and like coddling the patriarchy but also in what ways do we have to be realistic about the fact that we need to make a living and if this is a skill or an opportunity that's available to us to us yeah um and the most interesting people I've ever met in my life are the sex workers that I have known and even the ones that I don't know and they're witchy they're witchy witchy and enchanting they're witchy as fuck yeah they're smart as shit yeah and I think that my problem with like what you were saying earlier about Lena Dunham Mm. being against the exploitation of women in general which is not a bad instinct it's a very feminist instinct well that's right that Um, but like the anti-sex work Audre Lorde school of anti- like we shouldn't even have sex work is totally unrealistic. And Gloria Steinem very much in that white feminist way is yeah, very like are the utopia is a world in which women wouldn't have to well, do sex work. And that's just by the way, I disagree. Not, I I think women have been doing it since cave days. I mean I I no, I agree. We've been using <laughs> our sexual you. power. It's about sexual power. Like it so is you don't think we should power. have sexual power? Because I I mean I d do, I don't I reject the idea that it's the the person with money has the power. I disagree. Mm. It's the sex worker that has the power. Hell yes. They have the product that is wanted. Yeah. They have the thing which is hotly desired. Yes. We have the sexual power and we can deny it. And as a person who has been like mostly a stripper, mm. I am not giving away, I'm not selling sex at all. I'm selling conversation and yeah. entertainment. And I don't I, even take my clothes off. Yeah. And a lot of people are selling lots of different kinds of sex. And, I think you they're know. selling an experience yeah so what about that is exploitative exactly yeah and the, the idea that, that you're selling your bodies or that p- other people are are selling girls we're it's not like selling you're not selling the, and also you're not like ask a you're trans not selling, woman prostitute if they're selling their bodies it's you know it's um it's an experience you're yeah. selling an experience exactly that's tv is the same way yeah ask an attorney what they sell it's not it's not that different yeah i mean any business yeah you're selling an experience you're selling an idea yeah it's all the same shit yeah agreed absolutely and um but i agree with you that like it's a voice that needs to be more amplified and i i believe i wrote a piece in the new york times a couple years ago i don't know if you caught it stop stealing from strippers i i did read that about wage theft and um and about that experience of like how the industry does need reform. Yes. You know, it does need reform. And I, and I don't believe that reform means a bunch of lawsuits. Mm. It means, you know, let's not steal from strippers and give them the respect of, of being employees. Yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. What is your feeling about decriminalization? Oh, I think it should absolutely be decriminalized. What do you think will change when let's just say when sex work is decriminalized women will not be picked up off the street and thrown in jail yeah johns will be have less shame yeah about what they want and need and are seeking out um which i think is a positive thing yeah uh the safety is huge just the fact that back when back page was taken offline mm-hmm. here yeah it f- it really hurt my sex worker friends yeah directly in their and the wallets. most marginalized ones the, the most. trans women yeah, yeah. and uh, the, and the women of color and the women yeah. of color it hurt their business significantly if totally. they haven't recovered it's months ago and they haven't recovered yeah 
Um, but uh, I uh, I say all the time in my writing that sex workers have always been the most res- most resourceful and forward thinking workforce, and they yeah. have every workaround. They've got they are they're ten steps ahead of every other business. Yeah. So they have found ways around it. Yeah. But it has hit them in the wallet. Yeah. Which is ho- horrible. Yeah. And difficult, and um, you know, it's dangerous. You know, I worry about my sex worker friends and lovers being picked up, being arrested. Because it's horrible to like be afraid and be in financial fear. Yeah. But it's more horrible to be hiding, be in financial fear, and get arrested. Absolutely. And then you're, in some ways, it's very trapped alienating. in that in that system, potentially mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. It's an alienating downward spiral of shame. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it all back home, um, Antonia. I feel this may be the beginning of many conversations. I hope so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Um, where can people find you on the internet? I don't hide behind any monikers. Cool. I'm just my first and last name. Okay. Antonia Crane is my Twitter. Antonia Crane is my Instagram. Cool. Find me. Follow me. Cool. AntoniaCrane.com is my website. And what... Because um, I'm not ashamed. Awesome. So it's my name. I don't have any <laughs> fancy names. So what is coming up that you um, want people to pay attention to with your work? Well, I have a collection of essays on sex work and feminism that I'm looking to get out into the world. Awesome. I have a Lenny letter that's going to be coming out soon about coming out to my mother as a sex worker before she died. I have a screenplay, The Lusty. We're hoping to make that movie. And I think that's about it. My memoir, Spent, is out on paperback. So that's kind of important absolutely so you can get that one on amazon for cheap i also did my own audio oh cool Mm -hmm. so audiobooks are always great definitely um i'm sure after listening to your voice for the last hour people are going to want to listen to you read your book well thank you um it's been a lot of fun cool i really appreciate it yeah well it's been a pleasure to speak with you and i hope you'll come back on the show again one day of course thank you so much thanks antonia bye tina thanks for the coffee Thanks for listening to episode 49. Follow at Tina Horns Ass on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe on Acast, iTunes, etc. Take a few seconds to write a review. And please, tell your friends about the show. Visit wirepeopleintothat.com to subscribe to our newsletter and listen to our entire archive. As ever, Wire People Into That is produced and hosted by yours truly, Tina Horn. Our theme song is by Vivid Windows from Oakland, California, and this project is supported in part by my generous and shameless patrons. Fill that void by pledging patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. Until next time, I'll be rehabilitating strippers by hiring them. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.